0: Hey everybody, welcome to the College Age Movement Podcast. We are in part two of our series entitled Follow. This week we had Mikey Wall, our junior high pastor, bring an incredible message out of the book of Matthew. And uh, I just wanted to point out a couple things. First of all, there's going to be a little bit of feedback, a little bit of rustling that his mic had with his uh, jacket. And so don't worry about that. It's not your headphones, it's not your car, it's not wherever you're listening. That's on the audio. It gets handled really quick here in the audio. And secondly, on a lighthearted note, Mikey says that he ends up marrying his mom's best friend from high school. That's not true. He marries his mom's best friend's daughter from high school. So if if there's any confusion there, um, just don't worry about that. Why don't you tune in right now to uh, part two of our series, Follow?
1: Well, I I know for certain that there's some things that Evan has learned from me this year. Certainly things not to do. That's definitely true. For sure. Uh, The other thing uh, that I wanted to say, too, just is um, I just am honored to be here tonight. Like you said, I'm a rookie. I'm honored that Evan would trust me enough uh, just to come in and talk to you guys tonight. Um, When he asked, do you want to come talk to a bunch of college-age students? I said, well, so they're not going to be, like, sitting there tickling each other. They're not going to be setting off their phones in the middle of my message. They're not going to be, like, roughhousing each other yeah, that sounds amazing. They actually want to be there? They want to listen? Like, yeah, that's totally great because I've spent the last 10 months speaking only to junior high students and I love them. Let me reiterate. Like, I love them, but I also sometimes you just want to strangle them. Like, it's just the reality. And there's, I can, there's countless times in the middle of speaking where I'm like, Elijah, please come on, man, either either out or in, like, come on, keep it together. Like, I could not tell you how many times I've had to do that. And so it is nice to be in front of a group of people who want to be here, who want to listen. And uh, I'm just, I'm just super grateful. I'm just going to tell you just a little bit about myself. Um, I was born and raised in Billings, Montana. Uh, Love this place, love this city. This was actually the church that I was born and raised in. Um, And uh, so I uh, came here and ended up going to Rocky for, Uh, Four years. Yes, I went there for three. Yeah, any battling bears in the room tonight? Yeah, perfect. Sweet. Love it. So, battling bear for life. So, um, I was uh, there for three years, uh, three and a half years, and took a long extended absence and finally graduated actually this last December. So, went back and did it. Got her done. Super cool. Um, And then, um, uh, so in between that time, I uh, married my beautiful, amazing, wonderful wife, Megan, um, who She was actually my mom's uh, high school best friend. Um, And so they just basically match made us together, set us up. And so we are actually expecting our first kiddo in March. We're expecting a little baby girl. And we are so, so excited. About that, Even talking about it just chokes me up a little bit. I'm so excited, so ready to be a dad, so ready to learn from Evan um, and have some other buddies uh, running around for him to hang out with. So anyways, that's just a little bit about me. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed just hanging out with Shane and Evan and, and Amy and just all of the, the people on the staff. It's just been an incredible experience. And so um, with all that said, that's just a little bit that you need to know about me. So Evan last week talked uh, about Matthew. Moore. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I might take this off. Talked about Matthew 4, and uh, he just, uh, basically it was Jesus talking about, uh, Jesus asking his first disciples to come and follow him. And so some of the questions that Evan talked about last week were, um, are we willing to leave behind what we know? Are we willing to say yes to the things that God is calling us to now? What are we waiting for? Are we willing to go before we have all the answers? The, all of these things are essential, important to, to learning how to be a follower of Jesus. And so we're going to kind of continue going through what and, and trying to find out what does it really, truly, honestly mean to be a follower, a true follower of Jesus. And so we're going to be in Matthew 16, uh, 21 through 28 should be on the sheet of paper you guys have, or for those of you who are old school, feel free to open up your Bibles. Um, And we're just uh, gonna, I'm gonna give you a little bit of background. So up to this point in Matthew, Jesus has been performing miracles. He's been walking with his disciples. They've been following him around. He has been standing up to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's been warning the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, uh, warning his disciples about their teachings. Uh, He's been teaching his disciples. And actually right before this, these verses that we're about to get into, Peter decides, uh, things click for him and he proclaims that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's huge. Like for a Jewish person, like that is one of the biggest things, like that is, holds severe weight and magnitude. That is the person, the Messiah is the person they've been searching for. They've been waiting for this person to come. And so Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you get it because that I'm gonna build my church on you. You are my rock. The, the name Peter is, is, means rock. And so we're gonna just d- jump into Matthew 16 here and kind of go through what does it look like to follow Jesus? What is he asking of us to do? So let's head in. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Let's just pause there for a second. That would have sucked to have been Peter in that moment, right? Like, oh my gosh, uh, Jesus just basically yelled, get away from me, Satan. Kind of a crazy thing. (sighs) I wouldn't have made it through that. i just telling you that right now. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So there's... A lot of things that we can unpack here from this verse. that's one of the amazing, wonderful things about reading this book is there's always so much to get out of it. And I just love hearing teachings from so many different perspectives, from so many different minds, because we, we all hear something a little bit different. But the, we're going to talk about three things tonight that really stood out to me as I was reading through this. And the first thing is this: It kind of follows these first few verses: Will we allow God's way to supersede our own logic? Will we allow God's way to supersede our own logic? And I'm gonna just tell you guys a personal story. I I kind of alluded to it a little bit, but I went to college, I uh, went to Rocky, I played college soccer there. I got a scholarship to go play there, loved every second of it, it was amazing. Uh, And I also, throughout my time at Rocky, became uh, an RA. I don't know if anybody in this room is an RA. It's basically like babysitting the freshmen and the sophomores, and then it's just kind of a crazy thing. And then I was also working part-time as a server at Red Robin and uh, taking a full course load. And so I made it through these first three years, just really was doing very well. I had great grades. I was doing well with soccer. I was starting, I was playing a lot. Um, I had actually gained a girlfriend at the time. My mom told me it would never happen, but it somehow happened. I'm just kidding. My mom, my mom never said that. She loves me so much. No, I, I would. She would never say that. So, anyways, I had a girlfriend, but I also had a great group of friends, and so everything seemed to be going really, really well. And I, but I was getting tired. At the end of my junior year, I, I realized that I was uh, was tired, and I, I, really, honestly, and truly, to this day, still believe that I heard the Lord say, "Mikey, you need to step away." At the end of that semester, I was one of those people. Who I, I, I tended to bite off more than I could chew. I like to say yes to people. I know there's probably a lot of you in this room that are like to please people, like to say yes. And so uh, I decided that I was going to listen to a bunch of people who weren't hearing from the Lord in that way and just say, you know what? No, it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. My parents had invested a lot of time and energy and financial resources to help me get through college. I had a lot of other supporters. My, my grandma, she had helped me get into college and was helping me financially. Uh, it was coming up on my senior year of my soccer season, which at the time seemed so, so important to me, and I wanted to finish strong. I had so many friends there, a close, tight-knit group of friends. And my girlfriend was there. So there was all of these factors, all of these things that just led me to say, you know what, no. And so I continued on into this next semester, uh, the first semester of my senior year. Oh, and one of the other things is that somebody said, if you step away now, you'll never come back. If you step away now, you take a break, you won't come back. It's incredibly difficult to come back. And so what I did is I, I went forward with that semester and what I noticed is that slowly but surely my life started to kind of fall apart and deteriorate. I tried to convince myself that I was strong enough to handle everything that was happening. But the reality was, is that I was exhausted and I wasn't pouring into myself. I wasn't, I stopped going to weekend services. I stopped going to to a group. I stopped being around my friends. I kind of became a shut in. I struggled with certain addictions, with alcohol and with lust and, and ended up losing my girlfriend at the time. And I started failing my classes. And so I reached the end of that semester and I was just burnt to smithereens. And I finally had to face the reality that I couldn't ignore God's voice any longer. And so the one thing that I kept hearing over and over again was he said, I want you to go and serve. I want you to step aside all everything you can say that you've been doing this RA thing for others, you can say that you've been doing certain things for other people. But I want you to step away and truly learn what it means to be a servant. And so I listened in that season, and I ended up going and working for a nonprofit organization called Refuge Foundation. I was a fly fishing guide. Never rode a boat before in my life. I'm really to this day not a good swimmer. Never had fly fished before, and the purpose of, of this organization was to bring in pastors and leaders of nonprofit organizations and literally serve them. People who were at the end of their ropes, people who were, whose marriages were falling apart, lead pastors who were uh, on the verge of, of affair or or on the verge of burnout themselves. And we just were there to love them, to talk with them, to give each other to talk to. And it was an incredibly rewarding season in my life. And like I said, I ended up ultimately going back to school. If I hadn't made that decision, I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't, we wouldn't be pregnant with our daughter necessarily. And so that was just a huge part of my journey. And so why I bring this story up is because it's just, it, it centers around this idea of God's way versus our logic. And I think oftentimes there's going to be a gross disconnect between our human logic and what Jesus is asking us and how he asks us to follow. In fact, I think one of the biggest tensions that we face as Christians is between that human logic understanding, that understanding our personal interpretation of what we think God is communicating or what God is asking of us and what God is actually asking, what his actual purpose is, that tension is really challenging. And logic is a wonderful thing. God created our brains. He created our minds to think things through. He created us to be people, to think things through well, and to make wise decisions. And so that's a gift from God. But the reality is, is that oftentimes with our circumstances, we look at the logical cause and effect we run a cost, bene, uh, sorry, cost benefit analysis and come to this conclusion only later to find out that that result, what we've arrived at, that decision is not consistent with what God is asking us to do. It's just not. And many times the reason for this is because what he is asking is beyond our scope of understanding in that moment. He's further ahead than we are, Thankfully. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a God worth serving, right? So we look at these first few verses in Matthew 16 that we're going through, and, and the disciples, they don't understand Jesus. And I like to think sometimes that personally, if I had been a disciple, there would have been times where I would have been kind of irritated with Jesus. Like he's speaking in all these parables. I'm like, dude, come on, man. Just tell me what you want. What, tell me what you mean? have that same feeling with my wife sometimes. It's like, just tell me, please. I want to (laughs) know. Come on. So frustrating. But here in these verses, he says exactly what he means. He tells them exactly what's going to happen. He says, I have to go to Jerusalem because I have to have these things happen to me. I have to get shamed and beaten and die and rise again. And Peter, Peter, the man who Jesus says, I will build my rock. You are the rock of who I will build this church, my church on. Peter, the same guy who says, You are the Messiah. He looks at Jesus, he pulls him aside, and he says, No, Jesus, no way. I'm not going to let that happen to you. Now, Jesus was just looking out for his friend, right? He loved Jesus. He still doesn't get it. He defaults to his own plan his own understanding of who the Messiah was supposed to be. And these guys, these disciples, they're not idiots. Disciples who were Jewish, they, they went, even if they weren't like the best of the best, selected by the rabbis necessarily right away, they still studied the Torah. They were, it was a part of their culture. They're not dummies. They'd, they'd observe the writings about the Messiah, but they'd also arrived at their own personal conclusions of how the Messiah was going to operate. What it was going to look like. They couldn't help themselves from jumping to their own conclusions. And when we hear hear things that are outside of the conclusions that we arrive at personally, that causes issues for us, doesn't it? when somebody says something that's outside of the conclusion that you jump to yourself, we take offense to that. We take issue with that because I don't know about you guys, but I'm really smart, (laughs) right? I'm a discerning wise person, right? We all feel that way sometimes. When Jesus told his disciples about his future suffering, they were focused on the suffering and the death and how that didn't fit into their preconceived result of who the Messiah was supposed to be. And it's also important to note that Jesus was human during this. And so he most likely was also struggling through these things himself. He was struggling through, you know, Jesus at the end, right before the end, when he was taken away, he said, Lord, take this cup, right? He's still battling and struggling with what he knows God has called him to do. And then to have one of his dear friends, Peter, who genuinely cares for him, who genuinely loves him, who's just trying to look out for him, come alongside that mentality and say, hey, Jesus, that's not gonna happen. Don't say that. It's not gonna happen. That's a well-intentioned thought but Jesus compares it to an attack from the enemy. That's wild. It's easy to follow God. It's easy to follow Jesus when it aligns with our own understanding or when it aligns with the words of the people that we trust and the people that we respect. So the big question we have to ask ourselves is, will we concede our own understanding to God's ask. The second thing that I I think we can kind of see in this passage, the second question we can ask ourselves is this, are you taking up your cross or your couch? So this conversation happened. This conversation, this is the verses that we're looking at. This actually happened before Jesus physically carried his cross, right? Can you imagine being a disciple? Just think about this for a second. Jesus tells you all of this. He says, I want you to take up your cross and follow me. And then he actually goes and carries a physical cross. And you as a disciple must be sitting there watching him go through all of this and you remember those words because right then when he originally said it, you weren't thinking about that. But then when you see the person that you've been following for all of this time physically carrying that cross, you cannot help but think back to that conversation and go, whoa. Whoa. There is absolute power in his words in that moment. And those words should still have the same power right now for us. Every time we think about Jesus asking us to take up our cross, we should be seeing, physically seeing what Jesus did for us. Imagining ourselves in that moment. So Luke 9 talks about the same thing. It's the same story. The phrasing is a little bit different. It says, take up your cross daily. When I hear that, I'm like, can't we just stick with the Matthew version? <laughs> I don't really want to add that extra word daily in there. Come on. Why do you got to do that, Luke? But the questions are, are simple, right? Is, what's it going to be? It's pretty clear. You deny yourself, serve others, follow Jesus. And I want to present just a few, a few situations that, and these might make us feel a little bit uncomfortable, made me feel uncomfortable, when we're thinking about this question of, are you going to take up your cross or your couch? In our own daily lives, it's, it's these types of questions, these little moments. Are we going to make it to church or Bible study or group tonight? Or are we going to binge Netflix on the couch? Are we going to respond to that nudge to talk to somebody? Maybe it's somebody new here. Maybe it's somebody that's hurting. Maybe it's somebody that you would see as the least of these. Or are you gonna quickly get to the comfy, that comfy part of the couch, that friend group, the people that you know, the, safes, the safe people? Are you gonna have that important, difficult conversation? Or are you gonna continue to recline and just keep pleasing people? Are you gonna close that laptop screen and flee when temptation arises? Or are you gonna lounge back and keep flipping through those channels? Are you going to stand up for what you know is right? Are you going to sink back into the cushions of the crowd? Yeah, I don't have to worry about it. Nobody knows I'm here. See, the reality is that the, this cross concept, this, this cross that we're supposed to take up, is somewhat difficult for us to understand because of how couch-like our American democracy-driven free speech world is. And so it is ever important, it is so essential to go back and read these words and remember how high the stakes are. Remember that Jesus actually died for us. He asked us to to be willing to die for him. We lay aside our desires. We lay aside our friends' concerns. Jesus fights off Satan in the desert. He spends time with the dregs of society. He shows He's shown us how to live. He's shown us how to follow God. And I can guarantee you this, that he would never ask you to do something that he didn't do or wouldn't be willing to do himself. Our cross is the collection of all of the seemingly small decisions that we make combined with all of the big ones. That's our cross. Jesus says, anyone who intends to come with me to resurrected life has to let me lead. This is the message version. I love the way it says it. He says, Jesus says, you are not in the driver's seat. I am. He says, I'm the captain now. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm right here with you guys. This is it's a long journey. Life is just a long, difficult journey at times. But either way, whether you decide to follow Jesus or whether you decide to follow your own way or you decide to follow your political party's way or you decide to follow your friend's way, it's gonna be difficult. God doesn't expect perfection from us, but he does want us to take up our crosses and follow him so the question is are you going to daily in every moment decide to take up your cross or your couch and obviously you guys i'm not saying i'm not saying you can't sit and enjoy and relax and play video games or watch netflix whatever like obviously that's just not realistic But when it comes at the expense of potentially loving somebody, treating somebody with gentleness, kindness, sacrificing your own plans for that day to help somebody else in need, that's where the the decisions are made. The last thing is this, last question. What is your soul really worth? Something we're challenged with in these verses is how to tangibly change the way that we perceive importance. One of the things that, that Jesus says is, is there anything worth more than your soul? So my question to you guys is, what are we searching for? We, collectively, what are you searching for individually? I remember in this age, being in this season, and what I was searching for was a spouse. <laughs> Pretty much at all costs. <laughs> I would go anywhere. I would change up what I was doing. I'd go to different coffee shops. I was willing to do whatever it took. That was right here. That was the forefront of my mind. Maybe it's that great job. That's what you're searching for. Maybe it's a degree with honors. Maybe it's the approval of others. Those are all good things. They're great things. But when we aren't careful, good things have a tendency to become idols. And then idols consume our hearts and our minds. And then our whole identity becomes susceptible to to running off the tracks. What is your soul worth? The, the, the eternal essence and makeup of who you are, your soul, what is that worth? Jesus and God would say, it's worth everything and more. And he showed it. God showed it by surrendering his son. And Jesus showed it on the cross. You are worth everything to him. Your soul is worth everything to him. The collective souls in this room are worth everything to him. He would not have gone through all of that, if you were not worth it to him. If you were not absolutely fully loved by him. And so in the grand scheme of eternity, only one thing was created. One thing was created to stand the test of time. And that is our relationship with our creator and our savior as he created it to be back in Genesis. That's the one thing that will stand the test of time. Not marriage. That was really hard for me and Megan, (laughs) my wife. We actually, for the first, like, even to this day, I'm just gonna be honest, we would pray, like, God, I know that heaven, like, we won't even, like, need marriage because we'll be so connected with you, but come on, just make an exception for us, please. We still pray that. My wife still gets kind of, like, bent out of shape about that a little bit (laughs) to this day. But that's not gonna stand the, the test of time. The occupation that you had here on earth the achievement that you, that you succeeded with, even how you're thought of by others, the impact, the legacy that you live, none of that is gonna stand the test of time. It's our relationship with our creator. And I'm not saying, you, I'm not saying this to discourage you guys from like all of those wonderful things at all, like honestly and truly. like I, Those are things that should be sought after. Those are things that are awesome. God gave them to us for a reason, and God's kingdom come on earth as, as it will be in heaven, right? So like, but I'm, I'm bringing this up to help shift our focus in order to understand what is your soul worth. We have to understand ultimately what really truly and honestly matters. And it's really easy for us as humans to get that fuzzy, get that mixed up. It's our souls and the souls of other other people. That's what's truly at stake here. So, the question that I want to leave you guys with is Who are you truly following? Who are you truly following? Because I could tell you throughout high school, throughout college, throughout young adulthood, even to now in this day, I followed myself and my desires. I followed ideologies that I agreed with. I would align myself. I went for a political science degree and I thought maybe I was going to make this huge difference in the world in politics. I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player. That super vain part of me thought I was going to be a celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all have that tiny little piece inside of us, right? (laughs) Well, maybe I'll make it somehow. I don't know how, I don't know. But we oftentimes follow so many different things. So who are you following? What are you following? It's important to ask ourselves every single day because Jesus asked us to take up our cross and follow him daily. So it should be a question that we're asking ourselves each and every single day. The last thing, the last verse that I wanted to share. My wife told me this might be a little bit of a reach. She's a lot wiser than I am, but I'm gonna share it anyways. This is just the great commission. Jesus came... And told his disciples, he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is what Jesus has asked us to do with him. This is what he modeled while he was on this earth. When we examine his life, this is exactly what he did. And so if he's asking us to follow him, this is an incredibly essential piece of that puzzle. There's a lot that goes into this verse. But if we're looking for a place to start at as his followers, this is where it starts. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Thank you for this um, group of people in this room. It's good to be together. It's good to to learn together. It's good to wrestle with things. (laughs) You've given us brains to wrestle with things. I just pray that we would be a people who are super tuned into your voice, that we would be a people who sometimes fight that good fight of the, the logic that tries to overwhelm our minds, that we would be able to hear you clearly. God, I pray that, that we would be a people who are willing to, to do what you ask us to do. Whether that means suffering, whether that means pain, whether that means doing something difficult, that we would consistently say Yes. God, it's really easy for us to get caught sitting on the couch. <laughs> I struggle with it almost every day. But I pray that you would just give us the strength throughout this week, throughout this next month, throughout these years ahead, that we would just be a people who are constantly committed to following you, to making decisions with you, and that we would remember our identity is in you the importance of our soul. Pray that you'd bless us this week as we go out into this who-knows-what's-going-to-happen-after-tonight-crazy world. We love you. Thank you for everything you are and everything you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the College Age Movement Podcast. If you're in Billings, we always want to extend a warm invite for you to come to our in-person services Tuesday night. Uh, 7 o'clock at Faith Chapel. If you're not in Billings or if you are in Billings but you can't make it Tuesday nights or you're not comfortable coming to an in-person gathering, um, please, please continue to engage with us online. Let us know if you need prayer for anything. We love you guys, and we hope to talk to you really soon.